All right, uh, if you will turn in a copy of God's Word to Genesis chapter 1. Uh, if you're using the Pew Bible, you'll find that on page 2. Uh, we're going to be uh, looking at several different passages this morning, uh, but we're going to begin um, where it all began, Genesis chapter 1. We're going to read verses 26 through 28. Uh, so as you're able, if you'll please stand for the reading of God's Word. Genesis 1, starting at verse 26. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Uh, Father, we need you and we need your word. So, Father, would you please, please uh, bless the preaching of it that you might grow us in your grace. We pray these things in the name of Christ our Savior. Amen. Please be seated. You know, the, the old joke is that uh, preachers are nice on Mother's Day, uh, and we tell the mothers how great they are. And then on Father's Day, we let the dads have it. Uh, and that is a lot of fun. However... Um, not that I've ever done that. Uh, however, this, this year I, I want to uh, take a little bit different tact and, and, and back up and think through uh, God's design for families. Uh, and in order to do that, we've started in Genesis chapter 1. Uh, how has God designed the family to work? And specifically on Father's Day, what does it mean to be a godly man? Uh, what does it mean to be a godly man? You know, the, the culturally, we're, we're in this moment uh, where, where some would say that you can't even answer that question, uh, that that is an unanswerable question. Um, but, you know, God's word is, is, is actually pretty clear on what it means to be a godly man. Now, not every godly man is a father. Not every godly man is a husband. Those may be things that God has called you to, but fundamentally, what does it mean to be a godly man in whatever season of life you find yourself in? We have children here uh, who are, are boys who are praying that will become godly men. What is God calling you to, boys? And to teenagers, what is God calling you to in this season? And to those who are beginning to find their way in adulthood, what is God's design for all of those things? And so we're going to look at, at different seasons of a man's life and what it means to be a godly man. But, but first, we have to begin with the, the idea that there are two genders, um, that there are boys and there are girls, male and female. It really goes back to the very uh, foundational building blocks that God has made, not just for family, but for society itself. We, we saw this in Genesis 1.27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. 
Male and female, he created them. You know, God created mankind or the race of humanity in his image. Now, that doesn't mean that we look like God. Uh, Rather, it means that we all have souls and and that we are morally responsible for our actions. And we were made for relationship with God. That that means there's one race of humanity, one race of mankind, uh, and two genders. He made them male and female. There is unity in that we are all human. We are all man in that sense of, we used to use that word, right, of mankind. Uh, But there is diversity within that unity. Now, it's not, this is really important, it's not mankind 1.0 and mankind 2.0 as if one is better than the other. Indeed, before God, man and female, we are created equal before God. He made these two genders to be uh, different and interdependent upon one another. They are different, boys and girls. Uh, Girls are not boys and boys are not girls. There is a difference in our genetics our bodies, and soul deep. It is soul deep. Gender goes down to the very soul and therefore is an eternal thing and it can never be changed. And it's a glorious, wonderful, and right thing to be a man. And it is a glorious and wonderful and right thing to be a woman. For that is what God has created each one of us to be. Now within that unity and within that diversity, there there is... um, a differentiation of roles. So now we begin to shift gears as we think about what does it mean to be a godly man. There is a a role difference between what God has called for men and women in marriage to experience. In marriage, right, and we're going to spend more time talking about marriage later, but in general, God gave the husband a mandate to be the primary worker, keeper, cultivator, leader, and shepherd. God created Eve to work alongside and and help Adam in those tasks and callings as they both walked with God in perfect fellowship and dependence upon Him. So, God has created this system. As we think about what it means to be a godly man first, we must say that a man is male. But second, what does it look like to be a godly man in the season of being a son, in the season of being a son. Now, it could be that this is the season that lasts the longest for many of us, depending on how long we are blessed to have our fathers and our mothers alive. Um, You know, the primary calling, uh, but I first want to think of a son uh, within the home before they head off and make their own way. What is the primary calling of sons in the home? Well, the primary calling is to honor and obey their parents as they seek relationship with the Lord Jesus as a child of God. Let me repeat that again. The primary calling of sons in the home is to obey and honor their parents as they seek a relationship with the Lord uh, as a child of God. You know, we're told in the fifth commandment, uh, honor your father and your mother uh, as the Lord your God commanded you, that your days may be long and that it may go well with you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. We're going to look at it again soon in Colossians, where we read in Colossians 3.20, children, obey your parents in everything, 
for this pleases the Lord. You know, we, we live in a, in a time in which obedience is seen as something that is not only unattractive, but is wrong. That, that we must obey our own desires no matter what other people tell us. And we, and we know, at least academically, that no society, no culture, no church can ever, ever survive if that's actually the case. There is objective truth, and we are called to obey objective truth. If, if the truth, which is God's Word, says we are wrong, guess what? We're wrong whether or not we like it or not. Now, that lesson, which is crucial for societies to survive and potentially thrive, is something that must be learned in the home. You know, more and more um, uh, the scientists and psychiatrists are saying that personality is set. Can, can you guess what age your, your personality is usually set by? We can talk. We're Presbyterians. About five. Five, six. Okay? I'll give you four to six. We'll do margin of error. Uh, right? Four to six. This means that children first must learn to obey in the household. If, if men or women are ever to have any leadership roles in any sphere of life, you cannot learn to lead unless you have first learned to follow. And so what is the duty of a godly man in the, in the season of being a son at home? It is to obey your parents. Now, boys and girls, you've got some messed up parents because I'm one of them. I know this. I make lots of mistakes. I'm not saying your parents are perfect. They are most certainly not. But your primary role is to obey them because they have a primary role too, and that's to teach you about Jesus. And so what is the primary role in the home as a son? It is to obey their parents, but also to pursue a relationship with Jesus. See, in, in childhood, uh, most people become believers when they're children. <laughs> Let me back up. Most people who become believers become believers in childhood. Uh, the statistics when uh, 20 years ago, the statistics were that 85% of people who became believers did so by the age of 15. Now, I would say that that number is probably a lot closer to 12 or 13 now. Um, and so these are, these are very formative years. Uh, children, uh, don't let anybody say that you're not living in the real world. I, I loved Rob Fawcett, uh, our, our preacher for the um, senior banquet. He says this every time he comes, that don't let anybody ever tell you you're not living in the real world just because you're in high school. Right? Uh, children, you are living in the real world, and you are facing uh, great pressures at school that most of us did not have to face when we were your age. Uh, we had similar pressures, but yours are different. Uh, and, and you are living in a crucial time uh, to learn about Jesus and to build foundations uh, to walk with Jesus long term. Memorizing scripture is easier for you at this age than it will ever be. Uh, learning the, the hymns of the faith 
uh, are, is so much easier now than it ever will be. Um, pursue Jesus. Pursue Jesus in your childhood. Because just like we talked about in our, uh, in our children's sermon, everybody has one father, uh, but, but believers have two. And your Father in heaven loves you so very much. And he desires to be your heavenly Father if he isn't already. Before we move on, let me, let me give an aside that uh, if you're a, a mother or a father of a boy, it's really important that we raise boys as boys. Okay? Uh, that we don't raise boys... Uh, like our culture desires us to, which is basically to emasculate them, to make them into some sort of genderless child. The reality is that God has designed boy has designed boys to in a, in a way that's different than girls, and girls in a different way from boys. Uh, and so, give your boys the chance for adventure, uh, rough and tumble play. It's okay that they hurt themselves, right? Uh, I mean, you know, shy of the ER. Okay, let's be, let's be, uh, let's be wise, I guess. But, um, but it's okay that they get hurt. Uh, and it's okay that uh, they learn how to do things um, that lead to adventure and for ex- exploration and opportunities to fail and freedom to explore and try new things and spend time outside. Uh, these, are, these are really important things for your boys. A lot of those are probably important for your girls, too. Uh, but we'll hold that for Mother's Day. Uh, <laughs> all right, so but as we, as we next go through the next season, what about becoming a man? You know, there is a, a season of life that comes after childhood, though you should know that, uh, that now adolescence technically, depending on how you ask, doesn't end until 21 or 25. Isn't that crazy? It used to be that it was called a teenager, and after you got out of the teen years, and you're no longer a teenager or an adolescence. Uh, but the reality is that, that we have pushed further and further back the growing up uh, phase. Uh, and we have, as a culture, idolized youth to the point that... Um, that we're okay with this idea that you don't actually ever have to grow up. Uh, And the Bible says otherwise. I like how Paul puts it in 1 Corinthians 13. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I gave up childish ways. God calls children, boys, to become men. Uh, to make their own way. Now, they're not doing it on their own. Hopefully, they have a loving family and a loving church family that'll come alongside and, and help them when they fail. How many times did you fail when you were first getting started? I'm still doing it. Uh, but it is, it is a growing out of adolescence and out of boyhood into being a man. Now, maybe your, your son will hunt and fish and carry a pistol and carry a knife and never cry. Maybe those things are true of him. Uh, but the reality is those things don't make a man. Uh, what makes a, a, a godly man is a matter of the heart. Is a matter of the heart. You know, as we mature, boys and girls, uh, physically, there's also maturing spiritually. 
uh, that you're enabled more and more by the Lord to, to take ownership of what you held on to in your childhood. Uh, that, that's why uh, when a Paul speaks, to, is it Paul? Who is it? No, it's the writer to the Hebrews, uh, I think in chapter 6, talks about the need to go on beyond uh, spiritual milk. Uh, that, we are, that we are actually called to grow in Christ. In fact, if we are static in Christ, that's a really bad thing. Uh, I remember um, a quote from someone in our Bible study that he said, you know, if, if I brought you into my house after I just had a child and, and you came in and, and he was, you know, six, six weeks old and he said, oh, how wonderful, this child's so beautiful. And then you came back 20 years later and said, oh, come look at my child. And you walked in and that child is still six weeks old. There would be a real problem, wouldn't there? Spiritually, we are, we are called to grow. And so as a, a, a boy becomes a man, one of the, the central primary things is walking with Jesus and taking more and more ownership of, uh, of one's spiritual walk with Christ. You know, uh, to the young men here, I would say, and to the parents and grandparents of young men, you know, there are increasingly more and more distractions in this world. There have always been distractions. And, and the heart can make distractions out of just about anything. Um, but think about the things that are enduring. Think about the things that will last. And focus on those things. Focus on those things that will build character, uh, that will draw you closer to your family and closer uh, to the Lord. And focus on those things. For just about everything else is, is going to fade away at some point. Just give it time. Well, part of being a man also is that God has uniquely called men uh, to be uh, leaders and shepherds in the congregation. Uh, God has called men to lead in the church. That's not because men are better than women or that we have a closer relationship with God than women do. None of those things are true. Uh, rather, it is God's design for how uh, life, the family, and the church are to operate. Uh, th- this is why that we belong to a denomination that upholds that ordination is for uh, men only. As we celebrate the roles and the amazing ministry gifts that God has given to women. Uh, But to the men, I would say, uh, have you thought about preparing yourself long-term to be an officer in this church? Do you know where officers come from? By people becoming officers. And do you know whom we seek to be officers of this church? Those whom the Lord is working in. Uh, you know, where are officers trained? Where are future elders and deacons trained? Well, we have a training class. Uh, that's six weeks. But that's not, that, that's the, okay, here are the facts and figures you need to know about. The, the true spiritual training happens over years. Years of time in the prayer closet. And getting up before your children do in order to get the coffee started and spend time with the Lord on your own. Those, those are the places that God trains elders and deacons for the local congregation. Well, there are two final seasons that not everybody uh, will be blessed to be a part of, and that's 
of being a husband and a father. Uh, you know, sometimes God calls men to celibacy. Sometimes God calls men to be single, uh, and women too. Uh, we had Brian Garrett up here uh, two weeks ago, who was, who was, I'm right, he's not married, is <laughs> Real glad that's the case. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, Brian Garrett, a wonderful preacher uh, who's, who's not married. Um, sometimes that happens. And, and actually, Paul says that's better because you can focus more on the church. Um, but for most people, God does, for most men, God does call them at some point to become a husband. What does it look like to be a godly man in a marriage? Well, God has a design here as well. And it goes back to Genesis chapter 2. Read there, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. What does it look like to be a godly man in a marriage? It means to pursue and to lead your wife and your family. That's what it means. God has called husbands and fathers to lead their families. Now, let me tell you something. I mess up all the time. I'm not up here to say, look at me. In fact, I would say, look to Jesus. Look to the word. Don't look to me. Um, we fail all the time, don't we, husbands? Don't we, fathers? <laughs> don't we, mothers? We, we fail all the time. Uh, but this is why it's really important that we know the gospel, that we're not defined by our failures. Instead, we're defined by Christ's righteousness. And because of our status already in him, it allows us to get back up and to apologize and to confess and do better. See, God has called us uh, in uh, Ephesians chapter 5, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Um, did you know we are, we are called to lead our wives? And the standard for that is Christ's sacrificial love for his bride, the church. Every husband has a flock. He's a leader at home. And you have a flock, husbands, and that's your wife. Uh, now, if you have children, they're part of that flock too. But it's up to us men to set the priorities for the home, um, to set the spiritual tenor of the home. We're the ones. God has called us to be the ones who emphasize being involved in the local church. We're, we're the ones. I fail at this all the time uh, to lead our families in devotions, to, to, help, to help our families put first uh, the things of God and to help Establish priorities. You know, your, your children and will, so we've, we're now into the next thing. The, the, the children, your children will often need help in saying no. And your children will often need help in having their heart shepherded to the Savior in the midst of a really confusing world. And that's primarily your job. That's what God has called you to. Now, you cannot do this. There's no tension there. You can't do it. Uh, except for Christ. It, we cannot rely on our own strength in order to fulfill these things. Because we will fail every time. We've failed plenty of times already. Then my Bible says this morning in John 15 where we read there that apart from me you can do nothing. 
But if you abide in me, ask whatever you wish, and I will give it to you. That's, that's where the power in a marriage comes from, is prayer. That's where the power in a home and seeing uh, strongholds broken, that's where it comes from, of fathers and husbands, of you spending time before God's throne, praying for your wife and for your children. That's where the change comes from. So God calls us to be fathers. He calls us to be husbands. He calls us when we raise our children um, to follow, uh, uh, let's see, Deuteronomy chapter 6. And these words that I command to you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. But in order for these things to be on our lips, they first must be in our hearts. First must be in our hearts. So men, how are you doing? How are you doing with Jesus? Uh, Would today be a good day to recommit? Uh, To say, Jesus, you know, I I want to be a better husband. I want to be a better father. I, I want those things, don't you? And he would love to help with that. So pursue Jesus. Because if you pursue Jesus, John 1.12 tells us that he gives you the right to become a child of God. And God loves having his children uh, pursuing him and leading their families well. Um, Romans 8 tells us, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Let me end that if you don't know Jesus, um, I hope today you do. I hope that uh, if you don't know Jesus, that today would be the day of your salvation. Because Jesus would welcome you into the family. uh, And he welcomes only those who are sinners. uh, Because that's all he has to work with. Uh, But a sinner must realize that he or she is a sinner. Because repentance is key. Uh, of asking for forgiveness. If you don't see your sin, you won't ask for forgiveness. Or if you see your sin as a very small thing or something that you're a victim of, then you won't really see your need for Jesus. Uh, We all have sin in our hearts. We all fall short of the standard of the glory of God, and we continue to. And yet there's one who has met that standard for us, and his name is Jesus. And so if we believe in him, if we rest in him, if we trust in him, as we repent of our sins and ask God to forgive us, he will give us the right to become children of God. Let's pray. So, Father, we thank you that we call you Father uh, and help us to live out of that reality. Uh, Lord, help us as we seek to be godly um, husbands and fathers, mothers and daughters. Um, Lord, lives, Lord, I pray that you would uh, cause us to uh, see more and more our need for you, that we would experience your grace, and that would overflow into our lives. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, to conclude our service, we'll stand and sing verses 1 and 4, verses 1 and 4 of Be Thou My Vision.
God's good word to you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace, both now and forevermore. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.